Hi, I'm Ashwarya, the producer of Rumors. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Your love and support means a lot and has taken Rumors to new heights. I'm the head of originals at Bound. In addition to our own hit podcasts, we also help brands and storytellers create high-quality, knowledgeable, and stellar podcasts with our end-to-end podcast and video production services. So if you want to get started on your podcasting journey or even analyze if a podcast is the right step for you, reach out to me at aishwarya at boundindia.com. That's A-I-S-H-W-A-R-Y-A at boundindia.com. Or you can reach out to us at Bound India on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Bound. This show is made for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to outrage, insult, defame, or hurt any religion or religious sentiments, beliefs, feelings of any person, entity, class, or community, and does not encourage or propagate any superstition, black magic, and or witchcraft. Listeners should exercise their discretion. Most Indian villages spend their entire existence in obscurity. They offer a quiet life, a farmer's life to their residents, and their spotless reputations reflect the same. But Mayong village in Assam is the exception. Unlike most villages that live and die in insignificance, Mayong has been famous for thousands of years as India's black magic capital. For centuries, the village was thronged by mystics, sadhus and seekers of truth, but also by tantrics, aghori babas and seekers of power. They all came here drawn by magical stories of armies disappearing into thin air or men being turned into animals. And this terrifying reputation was built very consciously by Mayong village itself. This is Rumors. I am Chandrama Das. Join me as I shine a light on the darkest corners of India, where fact and fiction combine into magical and haunting stories. Mayong sits on the banks of the mighty river Brahmaputra, about 40 kilometers from the city of Guwahati. Muddy streets lined with bamboo fences make Mayong look pretty much the same as any other regular village in Assam. A cool, wet river breeze sways the bright green tropical vegetation from time to time. Right next to Mayong is Pobitora Wildlife Sanctuary, home to the elusive Wanhon Rhino. But more elusive than the rhino are this village's mystical secrets.
More than a hundred self-attested magicians and witch doctors live in Mayong. They are called Oja or Bez. Unlike the wizards and witches of the Harry Potter universe, the Bez of Mayong don't believe that magic is passed down genetically from parent to child. Neither does power lie in a magic wand, stone, or an artifact. The Bez believe that magic is a skill. that can be taught by a learned teacher and most of their teachers were their own parents and grandparents so what kind of powers do the bears wield can they stupefy people or fly on broomsticks well we don't know what they could do in the past but these days the bears mainly offer healing people typically come to them with a disease or a problem a backache or perhaps money problems and the bears claim that they can fix these some bears cures are drawn from ayurvedic practices and herbal medicine that existed long before modern pharmaceuticals came into existence other healing rituals involve copper plates mud and bamboo but it makes you wonder Given that the nearest hospital and an accredited doctor are just a short drive away, why would anyone come here? Well, fate still holds more power over some minds and hearts than science does. And the people who go to Mayong swear by its efficacy. Now, not all bears stick to practices of healing and problem solving. Some go a step further. quite literally an offer to make predictions about the future they do this not with tarot cards and tea leaves but with broken glass and seashells they'll tell you if a sudden windfall of wealth might be coming your way or when you could hope to get married but surely these rituals for healing a backache or a spell that supposedly helps you get back money from borrowers isn't enough to earn myong the label of black magic capital to dig up the origins of that dark reputation one must ask questions about mayong's colorful past but these questions are met with stony silence by most locals the present day discomfort with this reputation is because black magic capital is not the most inviting of marketing messages to potential patients when you only want to sell healing potions they don't like to talk about it because mayong's historical reputation has little to do with healing and a lot to do with acquiring the powers to control harm and kill old stories about mayong speak of witch doctors making people disappear or turning them into animals and it's not all in the past either even the present day practices of healing sometimes demand the sacrifice of animals such as chickens and goats the more diplomatic among the bears will admit that the black magic mantras did exist but adding a caveat that such things are no longer practiced here these practices died with their fathers and grandfathers but a few speculators believe that the dark tantrics and aghoris of yore still dwell in the jungles around mayong 
they'll tell you about the time when Mayong was a school for magic. Once upon a time, aspiring witch doctors, babas and tantrics came to Mayong from all over South Asia. The Bez and Oja of Mayong not only practiced the dark mantras, but also worked as teachers. Willing students could even learn the use of magic as a weapon. A course of defense against the dark arts, if you will. If there ever was a real-life school of witchcraft and wizardry, this was it. And how did Mayong manage the difficult task of attracting all these students during medieval times? They certainly didn't send a letter by owl. There was no internet, nor could you put out an ad in the newspapers. So the village had a unique solution. It built its legendary reputation as a school for the dark arts upon the foundation of rumours. These rumours of black magic powers, mixing fiction and reality, travelled across the land and did the marketing for Mayong. One story links Mayong to the Mahabharat. In the great Indian epic, the third and strongest of the Pandav brothers, Bhim, meets the demoness Hidimbi while in exile. They get married and have a son named Ghatotkach. Ghatotkach grows up in his powerful mother's care, receiving all the training needed to become a great warrior. Years pass and Ghatotkach grows up. As the war of Kurukshetra looms and eventually becomes inevitable, Bhim summons Ghatotkach to the Pandav camp. He asks his son to fight on the Pandav side. Ghatotkach declares that it would be his honour. As the eldest son of the Pandavs, he bears a duty to defend his father's clan. Ghatotkach descends upon the battlefield and on the very first day, fights experienced warriors on the Kaurav side, such as Duryodhan and Bhagadat. The Kaurav army soon realises that Ghatotkach is no ordinary man. He wields magical powers, such as the ability to fly, to increase or decrease in size, and to become invisible. Using his powers of Maya or illusion, Ghatotkach inflicts maximum damage to the Kaurav army day after day. Even hardened warriors like Ashwatthama, Duryodhan and Karn see him as a force to be reckoned with. On the 15th day of the Kurukshetra war, a one-on-one fight takes place between Karn, the accomplished warrior with celestial weapons, and Ghatotkach. Karn attacks him with all his might, but Ghatotkach is unaffected and continues to wreak havoc upon the Kaurav army. Upon seeing all his non-magical efforts turn futile against his magical opponent, Karn is forced to use his celestial weapons. But even these prove useless against the Mayavi Ghatotkach. Finally, Karn is forced to use the Vasavi Shakti, a celestial weapon that can only be used once which he had kept away to kill his arch-rival, Arjun. Karn mortally wounds Ghatotkach, 
But before dying, Ghatotkach expands his size using his powers of magic. His massive corpse falls on the Kaurav army, killing an incredible number of soldiers, horses and elephants. Sometime during the medieval period, the tribal rulers of the Dimasa Kachari kingdom in Assam constructed an origin story that linked them to the lineage of Hirimbi and Ghatotkach. The kings called themselves the descendants of Ghatotkach and Ghatotkach himself was depicted as an early chief of the Dimasa Kachari kingdom. The first king of Mayong was a descendant of the Dimasa Kachari kings. And this is recorded in the historical manuscripts maintained by the present-day traditional king of Mayong, Tarunikonto Kuar Singha. And here, the mythical lineage and magical connection are strengthened. The lore states that Ghatotkach learned magic right here in the forest surrounding Mayong. The next story we hear about Mayong supposedly took place in the 14th century when the Tughlaq dynasty held the seat of power in Delhi. The reigning sultan was Juna Khan, better known as Muhammad bin Tughlaq. An impulsive, paranoid man, Muhammad bin Tughlaq had quite a reputation as a mad king. He believed that conquest was the only route to creating a prosperous empire. Under his rule, the Delhi Sultanate fought many wars. And through these, Tughlaq temporarily brought most of the Indian subcontinent under himself. One of Tughlaq's famed conquests involved sending a hundred thousand soldiers across the Himalayas to invade China in 1333. The route that Tughlaq took was through the Kulu Kangara region of modern-day Himachal Pradesh. But despite undertaking a difficult journey through the hills, Tughlaq's army didn't meet with success. Instead, they met the army of Prithvi Chand II, the king of Kangra. Trained for battle in the mountains, Prithvi Chand's men were well equipped to fight in the hilly terrain. Even with a much smaller army, the Kangra king soundly defeated Tughlaq's army. Nearly all of Tughlaq's 100,000 men perished without a trace. Then, there's a Mayong version of this story. According to this version, after his failure through Himachal, Tughlaq commissioned another attempt on China across the Himalayas. This time, through Assam. In 1337, he supposedly sent another army of a hundred thousand men to the region. And this time too, they perished without a trace. But in this version, it was not the terrain and the hills that played a key role, but the black magicians of Mayong. It is said that they made Tughlaq's entire army disappear with a snap of their fingers. While there is a written record of Tughlaq's defeat in Kangra, his second attempt through Assam only exists as oral history. But the story stuck around for a few hundred years, passed along as a rumour, 
until a new conflict emerged in 1615 and this rumor was weaponized the period from 1615 to 1682 saw a tug of war between the mughal kingdom and the ahom kings of assam the conflict reached its peak during the time of aurangzeb in 1667 he commissioned one of his generals raja ram singh the first of ambar to lead an invasion into assam according to oral accounts ram singh wasn't super enthused by the idea of leading an army into the ahom territories he had heard the rumors about tughlaq's campaign 300 years ago and he had certainly noted the threat of black magic eventually though ram singh did choose duty over fear and led the mughal campaign into assam after many battles fought over more than a decade the mughals were eventually evicted from assam the ahoms consolidated their rule in the region and extended their kingdom to the manas river till the british arrived in 1826 oral stories about mayong say that the fear of black magic played an important role in intimidating the mughal troops perhaps the ahom rulers and other kings of the region played their part in enhancing mayong's magical mystical reputation during this time it's human nature to fear the unknown the very idea of mystical weapons would have struck some fear into the hearts of believers like raja ram singh and his troops After all, whether black magic is real or not, it certainly works as a tactic of psychological warfare. While these stories may have advertised Mayong as a hub of black magic, today Mayong's treasures are not made of rumors. The village actually hosts a wealth of archaeological material that indicates a past as a hub of religious and spiritual activities disconcertingly however the archaeological evidence also indicates that people in mayong once practiced human sacrifice the kesai khaiti than is a well known shrine here it has early medieval rock cut sculptures of the hindu gods uma maheshwar and ganesh There is a separate shrine here dedicated to the goddess Kali. There are 12 seats placed at Kali shrine believed to be in honor of the 12 deities of the local Karbi community. Preserved here for hundreds of years are seven iron swords that were used during sacrifices and a shield made of animal skin. One of these seven swords is named Narabali. which literally means human sacrifice this is corroborated by local legends during the medieval period human sacrifice was often a part of the rituals used to worship goddess kali and not just humans but chickens ducks pigeons and goats were also sacrificed at the kesai khaiti than as part of the tantra tradition in hinduism Another site called Dhamkunda indicates the presence of the Vajrayana form of Buddhism. 
Fragments of a ritualistic altar obtained here depict Kal Bhairav, a Vajrayana Buddhist deity, at the center. But the archaeological evidence at Mayong is not limited to symbols, sculptures, and deities. There are also inscriptions and scrolls. The largest is a 3.85 meter long stone inscription. twice as long as a king sized bed many academics regard it as the longest inscription ever found in asia but what it actually says is a mystery that's yet to be solved more can be found at the mayong central museum and emporium a place that many people have labeled as the museum of magic it houses old hookahs weapons utensils stone busts and cannon balls all of which once belonged to mayong's local royal family but the most curious artifact here is a glass case holding 50 ancient manuscripts and what do these manuscripts contain they contain spells written into early assamese scripts brajabali and kaitheli The manuscripts contain mantras that some believe hold mystical powers from taming tigers to controlling people. Some are even supposed to have the power to make entire armies disappear. Sadly, the present day bells and ojha of Mayong may never want to learn what's really in these scrolls. Mayong used to be a school for magic but now the people of Mayong have become ambivalent about sharing their secrets with outsiders Tantrics babas and faith healers still flock to the place today lured by its old reputation and they find nothing for the village refuses to give up its secrets to anyone Then there are the bells who have rebranded themselves from warrior magicians to faith healers. They don't want to be seen as evil or dangerous. It's simply bad for business. So they erase the rituals and practices seen as black magic and only preserve what their customers want. Many mantras have been forgotten, never having been written, never passed down from father to son. and even the scrolls in the local museum are comprehensible only to a handful of magicians in the village most of them old men awaiting death but is the village just a fairground for faith healers and witch doctors to find customers a more inclusive perspective would acknowledge how mayong has preserved practices and beliefs from tantra ayurveda and vajrayana buddhism in the guise of black magic these offer a rare window into how religions and beliefs developed in india but that window is at a risk of fading away can mayong once again wield its magic wand of marketing and rebrand itself from a black magic school to a site of research culture and tourism Let's hope more archaeologists, tourists and storytellers look at Mayong and see that black 
is not the only color in its spectrum of magic. Thank you for listening to Rumors, where fact and fiction combine into magical and haunting stories. I'm Chandrima Das, collector and teller of Dark Tales, and the creator of this podcast in collaboration with Bound, a company that helps you grow through stories. Produced by Aishwarya Zawalgekar, and sound designed by Aditya Arya. Join me every Friday on this quest into the lesser-known side of the subcontinent. Subscribe, rate, and review for new episodes every week. Sleep safe tonight. Who knows what awaits in the dark? Mm-hmm.